take two men that happen to be cousins who share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? A corpulent cornucopia of cinematic scrutiny we call The Finleys on Film. Is this us talking now, or did we talk yesterday? And We're unsure of whether this is now or tomorrow. I'm really unclear about whether this is us looking back on what we're doing or who haven't done it yet. Who are you? Yes. I, I know, who am I? Who are you that you would suggest this movie? It's a really interesting choice, <laughs> actually. Um, not a bad one, actually, but it's very... I have oh, no uh, idea whether this would be a super long uh, episode or a very, very, very short, short one. I'm, yeah, I don't know. Man. Yeah, I'd never know. heard of this film before. Well, the, the name uh, the name of the movie is Last Year at Marion Bad, or in Marion Bad, depending on which country it was. Yep. you got the release of, yep. but uh, there, there it is. I'll tell you honestly, I took a, a movie appreciation class uh, several years ago at a junior college, and uh, they showed us the first like like ten minutes of the movie. I was under the impression that it sort of like moved on from there. Oh, they like, just that, the you first a part of was very yeah. They only yeah. showed the beginning of it, so I figured it was like oh, so this is very expressionistic, it's mm-hmm. fucking interesting. So that's yeah. got to be an interesting movie. Well, it's it turns out that that's not just the first part of the movie. That's the whole fucking movie. Man. Yeah, it's an interesting. I so, mean, it's a movie that's talked about. I, I mean, I yeah, never heard, heard huge, of it, but. and it has a tremendous reputation. It's like one of those. It's like one of those maybe the greatest movie ever made by some very uh, by some people i don't know it's i i don't know I, i'm very on, on, on the ends with this thing i don't know i was watching it and i was thinking of like during the during the movie i think i came up with an alternative title for the movie a name another name uh for the movie we should just call it oh france because it's like one of the most french fucking things i've ever seen it's yeah. weird it's experimental it's existential it's got all of that going on there i mean really i, I was trying to think about it basically I, I thought it looked like a, like adult like really it looked like a full length Dolce and Gabbana uh, commercial for a new fragrance called uh, Alzheimer's because it there's something about the way time works in this, this one, huh? I worked on that one but okay. it's, it's it yeah. seems like it seems like very um, like very Alzheimer's esque to me somehow in, in the way I understand it and that and that time loops back on itself uh, a lot in this thing I, it was it, okay what do you think yeah no uh, well I mean I, I first of all. I haven't run across anyone um, who said they thought it was like the greatest film of all time, but but uh, not to say that it's only for haters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's big on the Criterion list. I know that. Yeah, well, because it's a film you can sort of talk about, and and the real question a lot of people have is 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 if you find joy in this film, is the joy in the film or simply in talking about it? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a film that you're going to. If you see it at like IFC or, or some some sort of repertoire theater, you're gonna end up going to a coffee shop or whatever, a bar with your friends afterwards, and just sort of like really trying to what? No, 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 <laughs> because it's a film that um, it's a, it is a film to be discussed for sure. I think it's really it's like a litmus test almost for like you know if you're uh, uh, how uh, pretentious you could be too. It's maybe a, it's a quality of it there. Alain Rene, the guy who, the guy who made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have a sort of an interesting story about his lack of pretension in a way. Alain Rene um, said ultimately that it was not, when people tried to suggest that they understood what the film was about, he suggested that it really wasn't about anything. Right. And there's your existentialism, right? Right, right. Um, and I, maybe, I, I can totally see that, I guess. We did a, we did a uh, episode about Vertov. 
Yes. Do you remember that? Yep, yep. Somewhere in the 20s. And, and it was, um, I think the, the one that comes closest to this is Man with a Movie Camera, which yeah. I th- at the time I think we sort of considered it a documentary, but when people bring up Furtov and, and uh, Rene, um, they're sort of suggesting they're doing the same thing, which is it's not really, I mean, this is clearly not a documentary, but that things that we thought were documentaries were trying to do what this ultimately succeeded in doing. Well, you know, it's okay. So, it's, by the way, notice that we're like four minutes in and we haven't even touched <laughs> on like describing it as a movie. How, I don't know how, how we're going to get to that, but it's cool. also, it's got that, it's got that quality. And I, and I find this fascinating movies. I've seen other movies like it. Um, Baraka is one like that. Yeah. It, it has that quality of being. Like, we took movies, right? We, so we had this amazing technology was invented uh, the last century, and mm-hmm. we took this thing, and we, we used it in ways that were imitative of arts that already existed, right? Uh, so we basically, we took the movie picture, and we, made, we put novels up and plays, mm-hmm. and we put it into movie forms. And I think there are some people out there who have another idea of what you can do with a camera and an, another way to express art. Oh, I see what you mean. So it's not so it's just adaptive of stories. Right, right, right. right. So this top, so the, so so yeah. So this is a movie that's purely not. The narrative is is utterly unimportant to this thing. There's no plot to be considered for this thing. Well, that's I. Or is there? Well, that's the thing. You're absolutely right and 100 percent wrong at the <laughs> same time, and that, and that's what Renee wants, I suppose. Right? There's 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 the plot is the most essential element to this film, except that. It, there's not one, right? And, and, and it's maybe suggesting that there is no plot to life. I don't know, well, but I mean, that's I think it is. Man with a movie camera, right? Like, ha, like nineteen twenty-nine or thirty or something had had essentially no plot, right? It was yeah. a, it was a sort of collage it's of kind life, of like a day in the life of a guy with a camera doing, yeah, doing verite stuff. So it's not exactly that it has no plot. It's that it, it doesn't have the sort of like um, continuum that a plot requires normally in, mm-hmm. in our thinking process. So there's right. a there's a film. Um, uh, called um, uh, it's by Bunel, who I've only seen like Los Avalditos and, and films that are like, apparently less experimental than his other stuff. The Discreet Lives of the Bourgeoisie. Of the bourgeoisie. Oh, I've shit. heard of that. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a film where um, a, a group of people, uh, like a, a dozen people, are trying to have a meal. Right, and, and they can never get it right. They can never get it right because all of a sudden they find themselves on stage as part of right. a play, or, mm-hmm. or everyone's sort of being getting interrupted because they want to have sex, or right. they never get they never get to have this meal. So, like the plot is that the the plot itself never arrives. Yeah, and and then there's like you know Charlie Kaufman, <laughs> right? And so it's like being right. John, John Malkovich, and then right, adaptation, right, right. which I think I like and you don't, but but I, I do like what it attempts. And adaptation is a a film about a screenwriter. Who you realize about halfway through is writing the movie that you're watching. Yes, and he has fears that his screenplay will be a failure if it becomes what ultimately the film you're watching becomes. Right, <laughs> right. And so it's like, yeah, I think in right. the hands of like, that's that's classic sort of like beginning artist sort of stuff, right? Like, I'll write a novel where three narrators meet from different time periods in the middle, and it's like, no, you won't. Right, Just right, right. V- write a story where a man does something. Yeah, well, I'm going to write something utterly inscrutable. Yeah, and, and I, I think, and so then, but, you know, the reason these dreams exist mm-hmm. is for people like Bunel or like or like Alain René, right. right? Because they've, yep. I don't know if I want to say successfully done it, but they've done it in a way that isn't dismissible. Yes. Okay. Let's talk so about this. This is not a dismissible film because no. there are things about it which are amazing. I think the cinematography <laughs> alone is fucking stunning. Well, yeah, that's the what I mean. That they do with lights and shadows and your perspective and yeah. uh, and forms and shapes. Fuck, it's just brilliant what he's doing with the camera in this thing. Well, yeah, and if you have doubt, here here's where 
<coughs> I think the sort of more traditionalist Innes sort of um, tries to justify it because he, um, like someone else, um, another guy we're doing this week um, on, on the, the free side, uh, Louis Mont, um, did early documentary stuff. And so hmm. Rene did a, um, a film about um, the, uh, the Paris um, museums and libraries, but the okay. architecture of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called, um, uh, fuck, what's it called? Sorry, I have too much research here, but I kind of needed to. Uh, the Memory of the World. Hmm. And The Memory of the World is from 1957. It's all about um, how we try to collect and get right all the artifacts of the world, right? And it's this documentary, but it's it's so poetic the way he uses cinematography. The whole thing is actually about architecture, not about what you think it's about. What right. you think it's about is how do we collect the things that, that are for history and literature. Mm-hmm. <coughs> what he does is he talks all about the architecture so that you you have this your investment mm-hmm. in what's housing these things more right. than what the things are themselves. So 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 that's more traditional. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I can look at that and say, "Oh, he knows how to do things. He's not, you know, he didn't just get lucky and and, and charm people oh, into making no. something ridiculous." Because no. last year at at Marinbad is is uh, um, masterfully shot. Yeah, it's so well shot that it absolutely precludes the concept that any of this was accidental. Like that, like this, yeah. like the, the way it was shot, it like it makes makes it very clear that this is all part of. Of of a larger parcel. That's all. Uh, yeah. But it also, I will say there's this: no, yeah, there's nothing accidental about this movie. Yeah, I will say this too. You can suggest that the, the lack of a plot or the overlapping, conflicting memories that mm-hmm. that, that comprise this plot right. are just him like fucking around or like fucking around with like a an audience that's high or something like that. Except that he also uses the figurative, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a there's an element. And and by the way, nothing we say will ruin the plot. I mean, there's no spoiler yeah. to be had yeah, here, yeah, yeah. but there's a game that one of the, the main characters wants to play with individuals. It's a game where you can use cards or matchsticks and right. lay like these things out in a row, and, and the person who ends up picking up the last stick or card always loses, always, mm-hmm. and this guy always wins. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't know what to do with that, except to, that there's something to be done with that. That's right. no accident. No, no, no. It, it appears far too many times so, so with it, different variations on the theme. And I've read enough about the movie to, to that people have like you know the theory about what who the people are in this movie. There essentially are three major characters. Right. A, right. X, and, and this other person. M, I think they call yeah. them, yeah. So uh, A and X are, 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 are male and female, both like attractive, very French, very French. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and M is supposedly the woman's uh, husband, or maybe yeah. potentially a husband. I don't know. I thought he could have been death. You know, like he is that. He could have been death. Everything has that, that quality to it that you're never really sure exactly what one of these people did. But they, and yeah. they can represent multiple things, right? So it's, supposedly the movie represents uh, a couple who had had a fling, had a fling yeah. and her husband who's in on it. And he's the one who keeps winning these, these, these games right. that you're mentioning. And this other, this outside potential lover who keeps reminding the woman that last year they had an affair or met at this place. Right. But, but you're unsure whether that actually happened. Yes. She's unsure whether he's just messing with her or, or they actually did meet each other because she kind of remembers and kind of doesn't remember. There are theories about whether she's actually alive or not alive, whether right. he's talking to a ghost. But it gets even more... He's really abstract. Well, because I think a, a theory that seems outlandish, but when you see the movie, nothing's out of bounds. Right. And it's the idea that actually we're the ones sort of like losing at the game, constantly trying to sort of figure it out. And, and the director is the guy who's playing the game on us because 
<laughs> is there a plot or not a plot? Like, <laughs> okay, our, new, our, new name for the movie, Psych, right? Our attempt to sort of say, uh, well, no, no, here's what it all represents is is his attempt to say, <laughs> nope, that's not it. You picked up the last matchstick. You frog prick. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's... <laughs> I, I like to put it, this is also, this is like, it's such a beautiful movie. It's a, This is also, yeah. I think, is when like you meet an American and they go, I hate foreign movies. Yeah. This is what they're talking about. No, I... This, I, is, this is exactly what you want to unleash well, on because them at a drive-in. Now, like, Roger Ebert had this really long essay about how he he doesn't find meaning in the movie beyond the tone, um, but the experience of being a 19-year-old and standing in line and being excited and then watching it and then years later going back to it is such a, a great sort of mind fuck and intellectual exercise mm. and it really glues him to his, his sense of what he loved about film. And I really appreciated that he loved it. I feel like this is a great example of a film where it's like, yeah, I completely appreciate how masterful this director is. Yes. How masterful everyone involved is. Yeah. It's not a, to me an enjoyable experience at no, all. There's no, nothing, no, no, really no pleasure not. to be had by watching, except what we're doing now. Right, which well, is yeah, kind except, of the point in except, a way. Except intellectually <laughs> jacking off to this fucking thing. Yeah, and I guess the, I guess one of the problems is we don't have a broader audience with which to do that. Right. I mean, we have us, and then, yeah. but we're we're not sitting in a coffee shop, and that, and I think that's kind of half the joy of doing it. Yeah, maybe. And also seeming smart. Because I went and saw this fucking thing and I sat all the way through it. <laughs> right. Well, so it's like, you know, part, has, yeah, yeah. part of it is, is that sort of intellect, uh, I'm sorry, existential sort of thing. Existentialism to me uh, has, has two audiences. Um, the, the audience, or the fans, I should say. Fans who really, really understand it. My wife's a, a fan of existentialism and she really understands it. Like mm, she's read right. all the existentials. Then there's the other version and that's me. Someone <laughs> who knows just, you know, the old phrase enough to be dangerous yeah, yeah. and really has no idea what he's talking about, but it's so much fun. Yes. And and so this film, there are moments where it's like, you know, it, when it's, I think the most coherent, it, it's playing with existentialist um, motifs, if you will, bingo. Mm -hmm. And that is um, like, there's a statue. And it's a statue of a, 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 a Greek man and Greek woman. Right. And the way the statue is positioned is it like, wait, is she holding him back and pointing out a danger? Or right. is he holding her back and pointing out a danger? And by the way, if, if, you, the, if the camera's looking into their eyes, there's a sort of grand like safety net of grass behind them. But if it looks behind them forward, they're on the edge toward a... And it's sort of like, oh, yeah, there is there is no truth, right? I mean, right. that's that's a, co that's a coherent, that's, relevant philosophy in that moment. Yeah. But it's only because he sort of like took a break and looked at a statue for, instead of like moving dialogue and... and, and it's an hour around. and a half, and I guess all you... <laughs> it's an hour and a half from the long movie. Yeah. And, and, and pulling away from it, you could come away with so many lessons and none of, none of them... Or maybe no lessons at the same time. It's fuck. Yeah. The, the problem it's I crazy. think is the ambiguity is, is wonderful. It kind of it's exhilarating in yeah. a sense. The pro the problem I, I would say is is this is um, anyone who would have the patience to sit through this movie mm -hmm. wouldn't be that surprised um, out of the lessons that you might get from it. Oh yeah, of course. Right. In right. other words, yeah. like you and I barely have the patience to sit through this movie. Mm. And and but then the idea that truth is is relative and an existential doesn't like blow our minds anymore. Right. I mean, it did at one point, right? Yeah, of course. But then, uh, but then you know, eighth grade showed up and we were we really moved past that. I don't know. Wow. Maybe I'm being. Wow. Well, that's hold on. Now that I think about it, that's probably a little bit unkind. But high school. Let's say high school, right? Well, whatever. Let's, I mean, yeah. yeah. Or, or at pops some up point, a of times. at some point, yeah. you had that thought enough to sort of get past it, right? And go yeah. like, oh fuck, I got to pay taxes. I I recently um um suggested to a group of people, I'll leave it that vague, 
that they listened to a podcast I turned you on, and it's the war stories, American life oh, war stories, yeah. which I found brutal. And then I overheard this group of people, we'll just leave it that vague, sort of talking about it because it was um, kind of a... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know, extra credit in life, let's say. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I overheard all these great things uh -huh. like, oh, this was so great. But then I overheard one student say, I don't know, the whole thing was like 45 minutes. And it was like, yeah, well, yeah. watch last year at Marion Bad. Marion Bad, and you'll shoot me. I don't kind of want to do that. There's a part of me that just wants to take every American who's got like balls hanging off the back yeah. of their truck and like <laughs> sit them down and pull like a real clockwork orange eyeball thing and make them watch this fucking thing. Well, but, you know, that's how. That's how we get Trump. So that way they really will be traumatized and hate me for the right reason. I don't know. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. It's so fucking... But ah. I mean, okay, so it's like... It, Let me ask you this. Do you regret ahead. watching this? I should uh, regret... Je ne regret... No, I don't regret ever watching a movie. I mean, I can't think of maybe once or twice in my life where I've actually regretted spending time oh, watching yeah. a candy, movie. I, I, Caddyshack too. I get it. No, I was... I, I, the greatest of all sequels? <laughs> no. Caddyshack? I had to, that's one of the few movies I ever, I've ever actually walked out on. <sighs> um... No, um, no, I, I, I don't regret watching it, if only because it, be, it becomes, well, a couple of things. One, it becomes um, an interesting conversation about this movie, but beyond that, it, it, there's a, actually a dotted line that, that this film functions as, and it sort of like, it makes, I think, weirdly, a, a film like The Shining possible. Oh, yeah, I, okay, I, I, I can see that, the, yeah, you, and you can see like almost a, a direct correlation to some of the some of the ways that they shot stuff and and then that and then how it appears in um uh the shining yeah okay i get that yeah and and then there's, there's a kubrickian feeling to this fucking thing there's that and kubrickian, then kubrickian absolutely i think i think kubrick's 2001 and and the shining sort of come uh, are given permission mm. by a film like this maybe even specifically i'd like to sort of research that more mm. um and then also um researching alan renee himself you find other sort of interesting. It leads you to like um, uh, the memory of the world, the the thing, the documentary oh, right, about right. right. But also Night and Fog. Now Night and Fog, you know, is the, the classic sort of uh, mid fifties um, documentary on Auschwitz. Oh, right. I've everyone, never seen it. Everyone yeah. cites. Well, the thing is, that's kind of interesting too because it's also a matter of firsts because. I, I was thinking as I was watching it, like, yeah, this is a great documentary. It's very honest, and it shocked the world. But then I was thinking, what about this Billy Wilder um, uh, documentaries from the from the death camps and Hitchcock? You remember they sent like four directors out to the, yeah. to the death camps, mm -hmm. but they were never really released to the, the larger public. Hmm. So so Alain Rene gets gets sort of credit for being this avant garde guy who who had the guts to get in there and do, right. but he didn't actually so so even that's part of the history and then finally this um and that's uh alan renee's oh, part of this. he's no jerry lewis though um he is uh, a huge was a huge fan <laughs> and huge friend and huge huge house guest uh -huh. of mr stan lee really stan lee and alan renee were like great friends and it's because alan renee so admired stan lee's work Stan Lee of Marvel Comics? Yes, of Marvel Comics. Now, shut listen. Your, shut your mouth. No. So Alain <laughs> Rene went to live with Stan okay. Lee on Long Island. All right, I'm waiting for a punchline. No, and so they, they worked, they, they lived together for a long time and they would discuss ideas. And, and Alain Rene was like, you really capture the essence, you know, in your Marvel Comics? And, and Stan Lee was at first um, just amused with him because apparently Alain Rene had this habit of wearing only the same red shirt. He had like like dozens of the same red shirt, like in an Einstein move, he would only uh, wear this red shirt, right? Right. Okay, 
So Alain Rene finally convinces um, Stan Lee um, to help him to write a movie. He wants to direct the movie. He wants Stan Lee to write it. And he wants it to be about pollution. And he wants Stan Lee's expertise about like villains to make pollution the ultimate villain in this movie. Like uh, the pollution monster. All right. All right. So they go up to this, this area. Um, um, Stan Lee was like, I didn't even know this area existed. And I'm the New Yorker. And it's, it's up at the Bronx. And it's called um, Rat Bay. Hmm. It's this horrible, sort of horrible area by the East River in, in, in the Bronx. And they get the location scouted, and Stan Lee writes the script. And so as Stan Lee tells it, he writes the script. He's like, I've never, I'm excited about writing a movie. Alain Rene is behind me. I write this like, like detailed script, and we finally have like a backer, a production company, <laughs> and we go to see a producer, and the producer's like, listen, uh, you're obviously a good writer. You write quickly. Alain Rene over here. We have something going. We're willing to do it. But, you know, here's some problems. You have way too much dialogue. And Stanley's like, yeah, I had like loads too much dialogue, much too much description. I had no idea how to do this. And so the producer goes to Stanley, like, you know, we'll get someone in here to sort of cut it down and then we'll make this movie. And Alain Rene goes, no, nobody cuts Stanley down. Nobody touches the great Stanley's work. And they never made the movie. It's an it's a it's a script that's just floating out there about this pollution monster from Rat Bay, the Bronx. Shut up! I shit you not, sir. Wow. Okay. That to I'm, me was I as interesting I'm as the movie. Officially fucking speechless. <laughs> All right. Stanley had anything any any six degrees of separation to this movie. Wow. It made me respect Stanley a little more. Although I, I never really had disrespect for Stanley. I understood, I understood that he did mm. something really interesting, but it was like this whole new side that he could. He he stretched himself and had this relationship with Alain Rene, who um, whose movies I want to see more because this is the one that that's like, you know, the um, kind of cited the as weirdest his. of yeah. his films, and yeah. so I'd like to see other films, and of course, you know, the the Bunel film about the the lives of the bourgeoisie, and it sort of opens up this whole area. In fact, I was thinking as I was watching it, the problem with a movie like this, the mm-hmm. ultimate problem is not that it's good or bad or we have enough or not enough to talk about. It's that it makes me say, next six episodes, we do French surrealists. You know, like, because <laughs> you get hooked into like how strange, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, um, hybrids and new genres and, yeah. and genre bending genres. can be. I mean, it's fucking fascinating. It's pretty fascinating. It is. Yeah. You know, I got to say, this movie was like, I didn't, you know, it's like, I, I was no way, I just watched it yeah. and it kept like, and I, and you just wanted to keep watching it. I don't know. It was, yep. for being as obtuse as this fucking thing it's was. It's very obtuse, yeah. Uh, it was it, it was eminently watchable. Yeah. It's kind of, I don't know. How it's, it's one of those rare instances yeah. where I actually, um, normally we're like, ah, you, you should check it out. You should check it out. Anyone listening, um, <laughs> rather than check know. it out, I would say this, maybe you should just sort of read up on it first. Yeah. Maybe you'll, you'll see whether you enjoy like the conversation yeah, that could but, come out of it. But here's the thing. Nothing I've read mm-hmm. is actually... Nothing I've read, nothing I've heard, yep. actually captures what no. the movie is about. I can't explain. But the movie it doesn't capture what the movie is about. <laughs> shut, shut up! Shut up! No, I'm just saying. Like, there's no way to prepare you for what this movie, what this movie actually is like in person. Yeah. We were sitting in a bar a couple of months ago, and, and we were sort of just talking about this podcast. And you know, I think we were at the we were having a midlife crisis point about the podcast, and it, and it was because we were at that point where we, we were kind of. <laughs> in the middle of doing the, the topics first. And we were, eh, do we want to do that? And I did. Mm-hmm. We were sort of like, what's the life of this podcast? And, and after a couple of beers, you were like, what, what are the, like the most interesting movies you found? And we started naming and it, t- it tended to be four movies. So like the Japanese movements and the Uzo and, 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 yeah, uh, Yosef Shaheen, the Egyptian director. And I was right. thinking about all these things and about how not only were they foreign, but maybe because they were foreign and out of, outside of the Hollywood sort of mainstream machine, Uzo could do things like the, the 360 
camera angle yeah. instead of the 180 or like you right. know all these different sort mm-hmm. of like unique techniques that that these foreign and and this is i think the number one reason i don't regret watching renee's film is that i i have added to my collection a sense of what someone thinks they can do yeah well, that is, and like I said, that is a, that's an exciting element to that. And one of the things I love about doing this podcast yep. is these movies that we are seeing that are not part of any of our either of our canons. Yep. You know that it, we're really kind of stretching it out, and it, that it, that it is true that it does tend to be in the direction of foreign films. It does, and then and then and then and we God get we get it. sick of ourselves, fabulous. and we we want to go back and have a joyful yeah, conversation about Michael Keane. We'll do fucking Don Knotts. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's fine. But <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I, I yeah. So no, I don't regret it. I don't know that everyone should see it. I don't know that's enjoyable. I would almost say if you're more of the you know the person who ever fantasized about going to film school on, on some level, you definitely should know about this guy. Oh yeah, and know about even Maybe. if you know like you have something to cite that you hate. Here's a legitimate conversation. Every once in a while, there's a painter who's a modern painter who I think is so bad that it's a legitimate like yeah, cite this guy if right. you want to talk about how they're all garbage. Uh-huh. I would say. Even for that conversation, you'd have a legitimate case as to why you hate, like, you know, um, uh, new wave, you know, films or, or mm. expressionist films or something like that. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it's, okay, yeah. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I can't, again, can't recommend it, but it's really a fab, fucking fascinating movie. Yeah. All right. There we go. Did this happen is the question. Did this very podcast happen? Why? Why do you ask? 